You're listening to Teach Me Thy Statutes, a production of the Ephesus School Network. Blessed art thou, O Lord, teach me thy statutes. The company of the angels was amazed. Hi, this is Father Aaron Warwick with Jason Everett, and you are listening to the Teach Me Thy Statutes podcast, episode number 98. Today's reading is from Luke chapter 12, verses 48 through 59. The Lord said, Everyone to whom much is given, of him will much be required, and of him to whom men commit much, they will demand the more. I came to cast fire upon the earth, and would that it were already kindled. I have a baptism to be baptized with, and how I am constrained until it is accomplished. Do you think that I have come to give peace on earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. For henceforth, in one house there will be five divided, three against two and two against three. They will be divided, father against son and son against father, mother against daughter and daughter against her mother, mother mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law and daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. He also said to the multitudes, When you see a cloud rising in the west, you say at once, A shower is coming, and so it happens. Then when you see the south wind blowing, you say, There will be scorching heat, and it happens. You hypocrites, you know how to interpret the appearance of earth and sky, But why do you not know how to interpret the present time? And why do you not judge for yourselves what is right? As you go with your accuser before the magistrate, make an effort to settle with him on the way, lest he drag you to the judge, and the judge hand you over to the officer, and the officer put you in prison. I tell you, you will never get out till you have paid the very last copper. Father, we've discussed numerous times in the past about Jesus' command to give freely to others of the mercy that that God has first given to us. And in the opening verses from today, we read, quote, Everyone to whom much is given, of him will much be required, and of him to whom men commit much, they will demand the more. So is this yet another example of this teaching on mercy, or is Jesus addressing a different issue here, Father? It's a really interesting question, Jason. And to be honest with you, uh, I say this because I've never really looked at that verse in the light of mercy, as you just mentioned. But in fact, I believe there definitely is an element of that in this verse. Okay, well, uh, well, I'm glad I helped you think about a verse in a new light. <laughs> Score one for me today. Uh, but perhaps you can explain uh, how you've normally understood this passage, and, and then maybe we can talk about it in light of mercy. Yeah, just one other thing I want to highlight from a a broader perspective, and that is that I always try to teach people about concepts, whether speaking about the Bible or other things I might teach people, be it my children or others trying to learn from me something that I know. Uh, I think it's important, especially now uh, we can just talk about the Bible, but I, I think it's important to teach broad concepts. It's important to show how in so many passages there's a connection between what's being said and being merciful to others, for example. There's often a connection between a story and the relationship between Jews and Gentiles. Sometimes there's a a reason in a story why certain names or words are used at these specific times. And when you teach people that, these concepts, then they often come back later and educate you on a passage just like you did, Jason. So thank you for that. Because instead of reading the Bible and saying, well, I don't understand it, so I give up, people like yourselves are reading it and trying to understand within these broad concepts that you've learned what might be going on in the story. And so by teaching this way, we we truly teach. People don't need to run back to us and have us hold their hands to understand every single passage. They get the big picture, 
And as they read and reread the Bible, they start to make the connections on their own. So it brings me joy as someone trying to teach on this podcast that you've learned and now can bring insight to me who was supposed to be teaching on this. So now on to the passage itself. I've always viewed this and still do as those who have been given much in life, like material possessions or high intelligence or people who've been put in leadership positions, that they have a great duty, a great responsibility to serve and uplift others who have not been given as much as them. And again, I still see it that way, but your introduction of the idea of being given much mercy also resonates and I think provides an even deeper meaning to this passage. And how so, Father? What you said, it it definitely makes sense as a way to understand this passage. Uh, But how did my question about mercy cause you to see something even deeper in it? Well, I think two ways. The first is to just take mercy for its own sake. And what I mean by that is when the Lord says, to whom much is given, much will be required. If we just think of the much that is given as his mercy, then we understand we will be required to show much mercy to others. And there's absolutely no question, Jason, that this understanding would align with the rest of Scripture, with the the rest of the Lord's teaching. So one could just look at this from that perspective alone and be edified by the teaching. And how else might you look at it? Uh, You said that there were two ways. Right. So I, I think the deeper way is to combine what I said earlier about how I viewed the passage and people with material possessions or people with high intelligence or wisdom people in these leadership positions, and then looking at that through the lens of mercy. What I mean by that is that we really have this notion in our society that if we work hard, we'll be successful, or even the reverse of that, really, which is is perhaps even more harmful, which is that if we have been successful, then it must mean that we've worked hard, and that's the reason for our success. So in other words, there's this deep sense of being worthy, of being deserving of good things, And on the one hand, you know, this is good because we obviously want to teach our children to work hard and to do the best that they can with what God has given them. But on the other hand, we always need to balance that out with understanding the role of God's mercy and grace and gifts to us in that process. And I really think that the Bible, in this way and in many other ways, serves as a counterbalance to some of these things that, on the one hand, are good and necessary for human societies and civilizations to exist, but on the other hand, if unchecked, simply lead us back to living like all the other animals. And maybe you can go a little bit deeper on this theme, Father. What exactly are you getting at here? Okay, so let's just stick with today's story and what we've been talking about. There's so many variables that go into being what we would generally call successful in our society, and almost all of those are outside our direct control. It's a fact, for example, that the greatest predictor of a person's socioeconomic status as an adult in our society is the status of their parents. Now, we all know there are exceptions to that. I can talk more about that in a minute. But this is the general rule. And what do you think are the reasons for that? I think it's pretty clear the reasons for that are mostly, not entirely, but mostly outside of a person's control, certainly their direct control. So if you're born into a family that's dirt poor, most likely you'll have access to fewer resources that would help you become wealthy, for example, than someone who is born into a house that has some money. And if you make mistakes in life, as we all do, you're less likely to be able to be bailed out of them by resources that wealthier people can afford. And then the reverse of that, people who are born 
to wealthy parents or parents even with just uh, you know middle class resources. They tend to make many mistakes also, but there's more of a safety net or access to resources that can help them improve or learn new habits and behaviors uh, that help make them successful further down the line. And, and so again, what I want to stress is that most of these things are outside of our direct control. We don't choose our parents. So the overriding point that I'm making is that those of us who were born into loving homes with loving parents, those of us who had access to good physical and mental health care, those of us who had the opportunity to go to good schools, we should understand there's so much grace in that, so much mercy, nothing we did to deserve it or to earn it. And not only then should we give thanks to God, but we should use the mercy that God gave us by being generous to others, helping others, and uplifting others. Now, Father, uh, just briefly before we move on to a couple of my other questions, you mentioned that we all know people who grew up in an environment that was less than ideal, but still have done uh, very well in life. Could you maybe address that? Absolutely. Again, with people like this, there, there are so many factors outside of their control. So, for example, I've never met a person who grew up in a bad environment and became successful who had a low IQ. Okay, you can't control that. It's a gift. It's a way God was merciful and gracious to you. I don't know anyone who's overcome, who didn't have people outside their family, who took an interest in them and mentored them and helped them. Uh, What if they never happened to come across those people? Again, it's a gift. It's a grace. It's mercy from God, and we have to use it for the benefit of others because, as our Lord said, to whom much is given, much is required. And I've learned that there is no value in asking the why question, why this person, why that person got this, got that, didn't get this, didn't get that. We can't answer that question. I can't answer why God has been so merciful to me, for example. But because he has, I have an incredible responsibility and requirement, and one that I do not think I can ever live up to or completely fulfill. But to sort of end this part of the podcast, let me be clear, I'm by no means saying that everything that leads to success is outside of our control. Of course, that's not true. But what is also obviously true is that so many things are outside of our direct control. And because of that, we should be extremely thankful to God for any of the gifts and the grace that he's provided us. We should recognize his mercy in that and then extend that same grace and mercy to help uplift others. And your question helped me see this passage deeper, Jason. To whom much is given, much will be required. What I have is by God's grace and mercy to me. And I have an awesome responsibility, an incredible requirement then to extend this grace and mercy to others. Thank you for that, Father. And I have what I I think will be two relatively quick and easy uh, questions and answers related to today's reading. The first in verse 51, Jesus says, Do you think that I have come to give peace on earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. So in our last episode, we discussed Paul's exhortation to be united as the body of Christ. And today we hear from Christ himself that he has come to bring division. Would you help us understand the distinction between this gospel reading today from Luke and that of uh, Paul and Philippians from last week? Yeah, that's a good question. And like you said, there is actually a simple answer. In Paul's passage, he was speaking specifically to the church, to the body of Christ, and the need for unity within it. So he was speaking directly to people who have already chosen to follow the way of the gospel. But in this passage, Jesus is speaking more broadly. He's speaking here to all humanity, and he's emphasizing the decision that we all must make, whether to follow his way or to reject it. And if we are to truly follow his way, it will lead to a division between us and those who reject his way. 
Now, that doesn't mean we can't still have good relationships with others who choose a different path, of course, but it means that if we come to a crisis, to a decision point, we have to be willing to follow his way versus caring too much about how others think of us and caving in because of how the world might judge us. Very good. That, that makes sense. So now uh, one last passage to examine today, verses 57 through 59, that reads, And why do you not judge for yourselves what is right? As you go with your accuser before the magistrate, make an effort to settle with him on the way, lest he drag you to the judge, and the judge hand you over to the officer, and the officer put you in prison. I tell you, you will never get out until you have paid the very last copper. Would you comment on this, Father? Yes, it's an admonition through this example. The passage before today's reading was a parable that was clearly speaking about the last judgment. And what Christ is saying here is that you're better to settle before going to court. So what, what does that mean in this light? It means you're better to apply mercy to others now than to wait until the last judgment, in which case the judge might rule against you. So thinking about this in light of other teachings of Jesus, yes, someone might have sinned against you, no doubt, but forgiving them is the best path. Because when you get in a courtroom before a jury or a judge, anything can happen. So why not just settle and not have to deal with that. So in this context, I think Christ is telling us to settle by forgiving our enemies, choosing to show them mercy, and then if we were to do that perfectly, we simply bypass the courtroom, meaning that we bypass the judgment seat, the final judgment, because we've been merciful to others. As we hear Jesus teach elsewhere, with the same measure you judge others, you yourself will be judged. Thank you, Father. Today we began by discussing the verse, Everyone to whom much is given of him will much be required. Father Aaron explained that this verse could be approached in two ways. First, for those who have been given much in life, whether material possessions, high intelligence, or those in leadership, they have a great responsibility to serve and uplift others, especially those who have not received as much. But if we frame this idea in the context of mercy, we can see that if we have been given great mercy, we must extend this to others as well. We then discussed what Jesus is referring to in verse 51 when he speaks about bringing division to the earth. In contrast to St. Paul, who exhorted us to be united in the church, here Christ is referring to all humanity and the decision we all must make to follow or reject him. Finally, in verses 57 through 59, Father emphasized that we would be wise to settle before going to court meaning that we should apply the mercy and forgiveness to others before the last judgment. For Christ also warns us that with the same measure you judge others, you will also be judged. Thank you for listening to Teach Me Thy Statutes. We hope you tune in next week for a new episode. Alleluia, glory to thee, O God. Alleluia, 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 glory to thee, O God, O our God and our hope, glory to thee.